Well, amen. God is so good, isn't he? Boy, listening to that song and the music, the music's been so good. And uh, I tell you what, we miss being home. We, we are blessed, I'll just say it that way, when it comes to music. And not only are, obviously, Lord uses our pastor all the time, but our music is a blessing. Uh, there's a lot of churches that don't have, even have a piano player. And we got how many in our church can just get up there and play. And boy, I'll tell you, it's just a blessing. And uh, we're thankful for that. And uh, thank you, Pastor, for allowing us, uh, allowing me to be able to preach behind this pulpit once again. And uh, if we would, grab your Bibles tonight and uh, turn to the book of Exodus, chapter number 25. Exodus, chapter 25, <clears throat> verse number 9. If you're able to stand... I invite you to stand, just out of honor of God's word, Exodus chapter 25, starting in verse number 9. <clears throat> Bible says, according to all that I show thee, after the pattern of the tabernacle, and the pattern, uh, uh, after the pattern of the tabernacle, and the pattern of, the, of all the instruments thereof, even so shall ye make it. If you skip down to verse number 22, he goes on, and we'll go through some of this later. Verse 22 says, And there I will meet thee, or meet with thee, and will commune with thee from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubims, which are upon the, the ark of the, of the testimony, of all the things, um, excuse me, of all things, which I will give thee in commandment unto the children of Israel. Now, this is obviously this is where uh, God is speaking to Moses. They have come out of the out of Egypt, great picture of salvation. We heard a great message this morning on salvation. And just a reminder tonight is that God, that's just, a, that's just the beginning point when you get saved, amen? That's just where the start of the relationship is with God. We've heard it from our pastor many times. Uh, that's just the beginning. God has so much more for us after we get saved. Uh, he, he wants to continue to build this relationship with you and I, and he's made a way, Amen. And uh, obviously, this is the pattern. Uh, he says, this, I want you to do this after the pattern I'm going to show you for the tabernacle. And uh, I know you've heard some messages before on the tabernacle tonight. We're going we're to preach, though, on the, on the most holy place, getting to that most holy place where the, uh, where the, where the priest would come once a year. And, uh, and I want to preach on this thought tonight. Does his glory fill your house? Does his glory fill your house? Now, we're Christians, right? If you're saved here tonight, you've given your life to Jesus Christ, you're his child, he now lives inside of you and me. Um, <clears throat> so, does his glory fill your house? With that thought in mind, let's have a word of prayer. Father, we come to you one more time in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for allowing us to approach your throne. We're so thankful, Lord, tonight that we have a, a wonderful building to meet in. Lord, uh, tonight, the church, the people, uh, Lord, we need to hear from you Lord, I pray that you'd speak to every heart and mind, arrest our attention for the next few minutes. Lord, I pray you'd uh, meet the needs that only you can meet, and I pray that you'd have free reign in hearts. Lord, help my, my lips to say everything you would have me to, nothing more, nothing less, that you get to all the honor and the glory. Sure love you, and ask this in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. Jesus said in... John chapter 10, verse 10, the last part of the verse, he said, I am come that you might have life, and that you might have it more abundantly. 
Um, and I, it's unfortunate nowadays, it seems like most are just willing to, uh, uh, to get saved. They want to get saved. Boy, I'm thankful I got a ticket out of hell. But then uh, when it comes to then following Christ and walking after what he has taught us in his word, that we might build a better relationship with him, that we might be able to grow and be strengthened and be changed, just like it was taught this morning. Most want to keep at a distance, you know. And uh, there were many in, in God's Word, especially in the New Testament, where you'd find that, boy, they, they, would, they wanted to follow Jesus Christ when the going was good, right? When the, the blessings and the miracles and the things that they could see and have, they could get free bread from Him. Uh, they were willing to travel and follow Him anywhere. But when, the, when, it, when He would sit down and then He started teaching them that, you know what? There's going to be some persecution. There's going to be some suffering going to be involved if you're going to follow Me. The Bible said most all fled and fl- they fled from Him. Uh, they didn't want to follow him. Uh, and so you and I, we, we know this, and as you read the Old Testament, we also re- have to remember, kind of go back a little bit here, uh, at the end of the book of Genesis, we, we understand that uh, God's people were now going to be uh, in Egypt, and they're going to be in bondage now at the end, of, the end of Genesis and the first part of Exodus for 430 years, God's people. They would be in bondage for 430 years. As, uh, as we get into Exodus, we find the, the wonderful story, and i actually been doing my, my Bible reading through Exodus again here recently, and just a reminder, uh, the, the saving grace of God. Boy, wasn't that a good message this morning? Uh, you couldn't hear that this morning and not, and not have at least an explanation, a clear explanation how you can know for sure heaven's your home. And, and as we would look back in, at the first part of Exodus, we understand this, the, the picture there, as God would deliver, his, he would deliver those people, the Israelites, out, he wanted them to be his people, right? They were his people. And so he, he delivers them out from the bondage of Egypt. What a, what a picture of delivering you and me. Uh, as we get saved, the, the bondage and the yoke of sin that's upon you and I, it's more than you and I can bear. It's, it's not a very good life to live under the yoke and the bondage of this world. As we see the picture, though, of salvation, God brings them out of Egypt, then what happens? Well, now he wants them to follow him. He's going to take them to new places. He's going to give them a, a land that floweth with milk and honey. Uh, but that doesn't mean there's not going to be some battles to face, some things that they're going to have to face. And in, in the process of time, as you read Exodus, you get to chapter 25, and he says it in verse number 9. He, he, he tells Moses, he says, you know what? I want more than just to save you from your sin. That picture of save, salvation. I want more than just to save you from hell. No, I want to take you and, and, and bring you close to me that we can have a relationship daily. We're missing this out. Most people miss this. I missed it for years where I just go through the motion. Boy, I want to, I now want to, I want a close relationship with God. That's what makes church fun to come to, amen? When you, when you actually show up because you already have a relationship with God. And now as God is drawing his people close to him, he tells the man of God in verse 9, I, I want to, I want to have a closer relationship. So I'm going to, I'm going to make you a pattern of this tabernacle that you can follow this pattern to get close to me. I'm thankful that God does that, doesn't it? Aren't you? He doesn't just tell us, get close to me, and then he doesn't explain how. No, he makes a pattern here, and, and, and as, and as uh, most of you have, it, we, we went too long ago, I don't know, three or four years ago, might not have been that long, uh, Brother Nail, I believe, Scott Nail came and preached on the tabernacle. And uh, what a, that's what sparked my interest in studying the tabernacle. And, and I'm not going to try to preach at all, there's no way. Uh, but just a little bit of a, of a reminder, uh, as he was preaching, and, and I remember him uh, giving an illustration of this and doing some study myself, I, 
uh, as, as the Israelites, uh, as now they have been saved uh, from the bondage of Egypt, now, now they're, they're following Jesus Christ. And you know this by uh, reading scriptures on the first part of Exodus, it says that the, the pillar of fire by night and a pillar of cloud by day, that picture of the Holy Spirit would lead them where they're to go, right? And as the pillar would stop, what are they to do? They're to stop. They're not to continue to go on. Can I just remind you and I, if we'll follow the Holy Spirit of God, when he says stop, we stop. When he says go, we go. It's going to be the best life you can live. You just follow him. You don't have to figure it all out yourself. Just follow him. Listen to what he's going to tell you. And so as God's people would follow that, that leading of him, that then when the pillar would stop, they were to set up camp. Now they've already, uh, you got a, a little bit down the road after the passage that we read, they've already uh, constructed the tabernacle and everything that's supposed to go in it. So as they would construct this, they were to set up the tent and set up the tabernacle every time they would stop. And, and they would have three out of the 12, they would have three uh, of different tribes on each side that were to camp. All the tents were to face the tabernacle. So that every time when you get up out of your bed and you walk out and you open your door, you would see this this white linen curtain all the way around the tabernacle. What, was that a signif- what did that signify? What was it a picture of? The pureness and the righteousness of a holy, righteous God. May we never forget how righteous God is. I'll tell you what, you get a, you get a clear view of God, you see yourself and who we really are. And as they would get out every morning and they would see that, light, that white linen cloth, there would, be, there would be many places, or excuse me, many times uh, during the year that they would come in and bring a sacrifice. We know this by reading scripture that as they would approach uh, the eastern gate, or excuse me, the, yeah, the eastern gate, there would only be one entrance into this tabernacle. There's only one entrance into salvation, right? That's through the blood of Jesus Christ. That was preached this morning. And as they would enter into that east side, I, I can only imagine as they would bring their offering, maybe they would have a lamb and they would have it on a little rope and the man would come up, he would get in line, and as they would come in to the outer court, the outer court of the tabernacle area there, that's where the sacrifices would have been made. As you would walk in and the first thing you would see was this massive brazen altar where the sacrifices would be made. The man would give over his, uh, his sacrifice to the priest, and, uh, and, and as you read Scripture, I don't know if it happened every time this way, but they would lay their hand upon that animal, just signifying that I'm, I'm placing all my debt, all my sin, everything on this animal. This animal's going to be a sacrifice, a propitiation, a covering of my sin one more, one more time. What a blessing that was. And as they, as they would give that animal over, that priest would take the animal, do, do what he has to do to, to, uh, to uh, uh, dissect the animal, take that blood, and, and sprinkle it on the altar. If it was a burnt sacrifice, and it was supposed to be burnt sacrifice, some, many, so sometimes it would be placed, the whole animal would be placed on there as a burnt sacrifice. So the first thing you would do is you would come in and you would see this big brazen altar. On the other side of it uh, would be the brazen laver. That's where they would have that water. And uh, a great picture of the Word of God, by the way. Many times a day, during, throughout the day, the priest would have to go to that brazen laver to worship. <clears throat> Why would they have to use it several times a day? Because when you're making all the sacrifices, <clears throat> you get a little dirty. Hair, blood, guts everywhere. That's just the way it was. <clears throat> I know in our day and age we hear that and, oh my goodness, that's horrible. That's what had to happen, though. It had to happen. God required the blood sacrifice. And as the priest would then 
they would have the brazen altar. You'd go to the brazen laver. They would many times over and over and over throughout the day uh, go to that brazen laver and clean up. And, and boy, can I tell you this? We need to come to this many times, more than just once a week. We need to pick it up every day, maybe multiple times a day, and say, Lord, I just need a fresh cleaning again. I, I need you to come in, wash out these dirty thoughts, wash out all this stuff out of me, help me to get closer to you. And, and, and why, why am I doing all this? Because I want to get all the way to the most holy place. I want to get closer to him. So as they would come in, they would have to come in through the gate, a picture of Jesus Christ, the brazen altar that had to be a sacrifice, signifying the death of, uh, of Jesus Christ. Then the brazen laver, uh, they would have a continual cleaning. The next uh, place they would come into would be where the door would be. Where you would go into the holy place. As you would walk into the holy place, on your left side over here would be the, the golden candlestick. And that was the only light in that room. As you would walk in and, and uh, shut the door behind you, it was what would light the room up. Uh, what a picture of the Holy Ghost of God who illuminates the Scriptures to you and me as we just follow Him. I'm so thankful that He leads me. I don't have to figure this life out for myself. Aren't you thankful for that? Uh, but uh, that golden candlestick would have been over here on this left side. As the priest would look over to his right side, over here would be uh, the showbread. And this would be uh, uh, six, uh, two, two rows of six bread uh, just representation of the 12 tribes of Israel. And uh, that bread would have to be changed out every seven days, and they would eat it. As, they would, uh, as you look at that show bread and you study that, what, that's a great picture of the fellowship between God and us. And actually, between ourselves even, I believe. Because <clears throat> look in Acts, many times they would what? Break bread and have fellowship. You're led by the Spirit here. You have the fellowship of the, of the brethren. And then you would come to the golden altar of incense. Right before you would get to the most holy place, there would be this place, <clears throat> the golden altar of incense. A couple things about this, uh, this altar was very special. <clears throat> it was different because there would be no sacrifices on this one. Uh, it, it had a close connection to the brazen altar. Because uh, without the, the shedding of blood, there is no boldness before God. And as uh, this altar would be here, if you read and study the height of the altar, it would be at the same height as the mercy seat. Say, so what's that important? <clears throat> you never are closer to God than when you're on your knees spending time with Him. I believe that with all my heart. And as, as this, alt, this golden altar of incense would be there, uh, the, the, they would, they would uh, burn this incense, uh, that continual burning, as the golden candlestick, was, it, they were ordered to keep the fires burning on it, so was it for the, the uh, altar of incense. It was to continually be burning. What's that signify? It was a representation of the prayers of his saints going up to God. And, and can I just tell you, you're never going to pray enough. You're never going to pray enough. I mean, if we even start thinking, well, I put in my time today, you've already, you're already falling short. Uh, we, we, we'll never pray enough. And so that continual prayer was important. But there would be once a year, there would be on the other side of this golden uh, altar, this altar of incense, there would be what was called a veil. And this veil was, was very thick, very huge, uh, and, and only once a year. And, the, and I can just imagine being Aaron for the first time walking through that veil. You ever thought of that? Well, I hope I'm right with God. <laughs> you had to be right with God or you're not going through that veil. Once a year, he would take the, the blood sacrifice and come into that most holy place. 
and sprinkle that blood on the mercy seat. <clears throat> and the, you, if you go into this room, God himself, that Shekinah glory, would light up the room. There was no need for anything else. He was enough. One thing I like about this room here is it's never recorded in the Bible that there was anything said. The blood did all the talking. Aren't you thankful for that? There was nothing else had to be said when you go into this room. Just, just bring the blood, and that was enough. Say, so, okay, Brother Jim, I've kind of heard that before. Now, just want to remind us tonight that that's where he wants you and I to be on a regular basis. I wish I could say tonight that I've been down there even today. I wish I could say I'm there every single day, that the, that the presence of God's in my life, that he's just filling my house uh, with his glory. Unfortunately, I'm made of this stinking flesh. I struggle with things just like you and just like you do, right? Uh, but our goal ought to be, I want to be at the most holy place. I don't want to just be one of these Christians who hangs out in the outer courts his whole life and never has true victory and never really spends time with God. I don't want to be, I still don't even want to be the one that comes in here. And boy, and, and, and it's good in here, don't get me wrong. This is a place of service in the, in the holy place where you have the, the candlestick and you have the showbread and the altar of incense. And that's, that's a good place. That's where I, I serve my Lord. But can I tell you, there's a step beyond that. That it, it gets real good at church sometimes when you already meet with God before you even come. You've already been to the most holy place. Can, can I tell you, you don't, it's not always that you have to be at church. You can do this in your car. You can be close to God in your, in your closet at home on your knees. You don't have to wait. To, and can I just tell you, it's not just for preachers. It's not just for teachers. It's not just for certain types of people. God wants everybody to be in that place. It's a, it's a big deal because most are willing to settle just to be out in the outer court. <clears throat> Say, well, is it, is it that big a deal? Well, a little bit about, real quick with me, if you'll <clears throat> hear me here, a little bit about the veil as you would enter into this place, the most holy place. The Exodus chapter 26, verses 31 through 33, explain how the veil was to be made. The word veil means to separate or to conceal a thing. God is so holy and righteous that no one could enter this place just because they wanted to. He was too pure. He's too, he's too pure. He's too righteous. The veil that was in the tabernacle stood between the holy place and the most holy place. It was made with the same colors as the gate and the door, blue, purple, and scarlet, but with something the others did not have woven in, was cherubims. <clears throat> In the book of Ezekiel, uh, he describes, Ezekiel describes a cherubim as having four faces. The face of a man, the face of an ox, the face of a lion, and the face of an eagle. Um, as you re recall, um, throughout Scripture, if you've studied Bible a little bit about cherubims, they are pictured with judicial power. They stood in the, at the entrance of, to Eden with flaming swords turned in every direction, guarding everyone that would, that would enter the way to eternal life. They were at the mercy seat guarding the blood that would be sprinkled. They were also at the veil woven in to guard anyone from trying to enter a forbidden place to all but the high priest once a year. <clears throat> As you would enter the most holy place, there would only be one, one thing in there, and that's the Ark of the Covenant, a picture of the presence and power of God. 
It's where he abided. That's where he dwelt when he was down here. In Exodus chapter 25, verses 10 through 22, uh, explain how the ark was built. For sake of time, we're not going to go there. The very first piece of the tabernacle uh, made was the ark of the covenant. As God gave out all the instructions, the very first thing that they were to make was the ark. To man, this would seem backwards to build the furniture before the house. But God's ways are not our ways. Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. The other items of the tabernacle speak of his work, while the ark speaks of his person. The others tell of what he is doing and can do, but the ark speaks of who he is. This was Jesus' throne on earth. Since this this was to be a picture of God's plan for salvation, it would only be reasonable that that it would be described first. Salvation is the starting point for anyone wanting to know God in a special way. Amen? There were several names, six different names mentioned in the Bible about the ark. One of them was the ark of the covenant, the ark of the testimony, the ark of the Lord God, the ark of thy strength, the ark of God, or the holy ark. An ark in those days was a, was a chest or a box where valuables would be kept. This ark was made of shittim wood, which was known to be instru- indestructible. This no doubt pictures our Jesus in his humanity, but without sin. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3 says, "...who being the brightness of his glory and the express, express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand." of the majesty on high. The Ark of the Covenant had dimensions. This shows that his life among men had physical limitations. I still don't understand why God would become one of us. He's God. Man, that that is humbling. He allowed himself to be a man that felt hunger, thirst, exhaustion, and to be only one place at a time. My mind doesn't real. It's hard for me to grasp that. He didn't have to do it. This ark, this ark had a crown around the top, as some of the other pieces of furniture did as well. This crown around the top held the mercy seat in place, for under the mercy seat was the law of God that was completely covered. The work of Christ can be divided into into three basic offices. We know these by uh, pastors preached on these before as a prophet. He came to put away sin for good on the cross. As a priest, he appears in the presence of the Father for us. As king, he's coming again to rule and reign. He could come tonight. While our minds are on everything we've got to do tomorrow and what's going on this week, he could just come tonight and you might not even have to mess with it, amen? <clears throat> could be that way. The ark, um, something uh, about the ark here, the ark would be made to go with the people wherever God would leave them, as it was to be carried on the shoulders of the priest. If you read in 1 Samuel chapter 6, verses 19 and 20, it tells us what happened when the mercy seat was removed from the ark over the broken law. As the men of Beth Shemesh removed the mercy seat, God killed 50,070 souls because of their careless act. Just goes to show you that when God says do it this way, that's what he means. 
So the whole point of all explaining all this, just bear with me. We're gonna, we'll, we'll tie this up pretty quick. As, as we go through all these steps, God made a way to, to approach him and to come to him. And, and he wants it done that way. He doesn't want it done any other way. He don't want us to be like Saul in 1 Samuel 15. Well, I'll please God my way. No, we won't. It'll be God's way or no way, amen? That's just the way God's, God is, and we, we need to respect that. Uh, a man by the name of Dean Weaver said this, if mercy is removed, there is nothing but death for the guilty sinner. And boy, isn't that so true? As these men of Beth Shemesh would remove the mercy seat, they wanted to go in and, and, and look around, and I don't know if it was them that removed the two artifacts later on. I, I mean, later on, the Bible says, all there was is the table of the covenant. That was in, the, that was in, the, in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I don't know if they're the ones that removed uh, Aaron's, uh, Aaron's rod and the golden pot, uh, which there were three items placed in there at the very beginning. I don't know who it was, but I do know this. As they disobey God, there was a penalty for it. The mercy seat was made of pure gold. This reminds us that the work of salvation was entirely done by God. The length and width are given, but not the depth of the mercy seat. This just describes the depth of, the depth of God's mercy and love for man is measureless. Aren't you thankful for that? Hey, hey, just real quick, you know you. No, I'm not, you know you better than your spouse knows you, than your parents know you, than your siblings know you, than anybody else in this room knows you. And guess what? God even knows you more than that. And I, I think about who I am and, and why would God give me another chance? That's just his mercy. Oh, he's such a merciful God. I'm so thankful I serve a God of mercy who loves me that much, gave me another chance to be saved. Praise the Lord for that. There was a covering for the ark, and it was called a seat. Now, in the tabernacle, there were no seat for the priest to sit or rest on. A seat only gives the impression that the work has been completed. We know later on that he did come to this earth. He lived a sinless life, died, was buried, rose again the third day, sits at the right hand of God the Father. Amen. And now he is sitting because it's over. There's nothing else to have to be done, and I'm thankful for that. There is no biblical record of any, anything, or I already said that earlier. Amen. Praise the Lord. I like when I get ahead of myself. <clears throat> Mentioned earlier, though, there were three, three, three pieces that were placed in the ark. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 4 tells us those three pieces. The golden pot that had manna, the Aaron's, bud that, Aaron's rod that budded, and then the table of the, the tables of the covenant. As we get down to Second uh, Chronicles chapter 5, though, now if you would, turn your Bibles there. We'll, we'll end up here the rest of the message. Second Chronicles chapter 5, you say, <clears throat> okay, Brother Jim, you talked about when his glory fills our house. Does it fill your house? Well, we see a, a great example of this here. You talk about revival? Yeah, I'm kind of talking about revival. I like revival in my heart. And guess what? I need it all the time. Not just a, a week-long hooping, hollering, running, which I'm all for being excited about who God is and what he's done. There's nothing wrong with that. But revival should last a lot longer than just a couple days. Uh, I want my heart to be revived continually, drawing closer to him. What's revival really look like? It's getting into that holy place more often than, I, than not. Amen? 
I, I want to be closer to him. And so as we read this, Second Chronicles chapter number 5, look at verse number 7 with me if you would. And, and, uh, and before we get, read that verse number 7, as you read the first six verses, you'll realize this, that now uh, David had wanted to build a temple for God, a place where God could dwell here on earth that wouldn't be moved around, a permanent place. And because of who he was, God said, no, you can't do that, but I'll allow Solomon, your son, to be able to, to build this building and this temple for me. And now Solomon, in Second Chronicles chapter 5, has now finished all the work of the temple, the first temple here, and, and he comes, and he, what's he want to do? He wants to bring in the ark. That was the whole purpose. And he wants God to be there, right? Uh, can I just tell you, it ain't worth coming to church if he doesn't show up. I don't want to just get together and go through some motions. No, I want to meet with him every time I come to church. And so now Solomon, is, he, he says, look at verse number 7, it says, And the priest brought in the ark of the covenant of the Lord unto his place to the oracle of the house, into the most holy place, even under the wings of the cherubims. Now if you skip down to verse number 13, and uh, we're not... And I'm not skipping over anything uh, there. I, I mean, we can look at it here later. But verse number 13 says, as they bring it in, that the Ark of the Covenant, in verse 7, it says, it, it came even to pass as the trumpeters and singers were as one, to make one sound, to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voices with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music and praised the Lord, saying, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever that then the house was filled with a cloud, even the house of the Lord, so that the priest could not stand to minister by reason of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. What? Well, that looks like revival to me. I mean, I don't know what else you can get out of that. That's, that's revival. Hey, I want, I want to build this for you, Lord. I, I want to build a place where you can, you can just dwell and stay there. And so as they build this place, Solomon finishes it all up. He says, all right, it's time to invite him. Uh, the one it's all about, it's about, it's all about him. I'm going to invite him. We're going to bring the Ark of the Covenant in. They put it in the most holy, uh, they put, they put it in the most holy room. And as they, uh, as they started praising God, and what did they do? They did everything according to God's plan, and God showed up. And what? He filled the house, his house, with his glory. <clears throat> Say, Brother Jim, how'd that happen? Well, <clears throat> if you'll back up real quick with me to verse, verse number 10. Bible says, There was nothing in the ark save the two tables which Moses put therein at Horeb. When the Lord made a covenant with the children of Israel when they came out of Egypt. <clears throat> Somewhere along the lines, and there might be some scholars here, and if you're, you can tell me afterwards, I honestly would like to know. I, I can't find it in the Bible where Aaron's rod and where the, uh, well, the, the golden pot, when, when they got taken out of the ark. The point is simply this. When God's people here with Solomon, they bring in the ark, the only thing that's in there is the two is the commandments or the, the two tables of, of the covenant. So what's the big deal with that? Well, the golden pot that had manna speaks of God's blessings. And Aaron's rod that budded speaks of the miracles of God. Of course, the tables of the covenant speak of the law of God. I find it interesting that they didn't need 
all the blessings of God and the miracles of God to have a revival. What are you saying? I'm saying this. Too many people come to church, they want the blessings of God, and they want the miracles of God. They want everything God has to offer, but they don't want this. They don't want to follow him in his word. Revival came without all the other splendor and glory and all the other things going on. It just came because of the word of God was still there. And can I just tell you and me that, I mean, I, I love it when God shows up. I love it when I, I've, I've seen God do miracles even in our own family. I'm so thankful for that. I'm thankful for the blessings of God. We just had Thanksgiving recently, and boy, thinking about how good God is. But can I just tell you this? When I, when I, when I don't go to God just because I can get something from him, I go to him for his word, and I just say, Lord, I need you to change my heart. I need you to uh, show me where I'm wrong. Where, where can I follow you? Boy, I want, this, I want your word to be a part of my life each and every day. And can I tell you? I've, uh, that it draws me to this room right here, the most holy place. I realize this, uh, the older I get, the more I just put my face in God's word and try to obey him, the more times it, it seems like I get to be here. I wish I could say I'm here every day. I'm not. I'm made of this, this soul flesh, right? I mess up. I sin. I, I make wrong choices. I think things I shouldn't. But more often than not, when I get to a place in my, in my everyday life, when I just make this priority, and not just read it, and not just hear my pastor preach something that I actually apply it to my life, I get to be in there more often. And that's great. I wish I could be there every day. You say, well, what's changed if, I, if I'm not? Well, it ain't God. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He ain't going anywhere. He's still there, still made the way. The only thing that changes is me. I'm just saying here tonight... When I asked the question earlier, and you think about this question, does his glory fill your house? That would be something for you and I to evaluate even tonight uh, in our own life. When's the last time you've been right here in the most holy place? I mean, that's only between you and God. I don't know that. I just know this, that <clears throat> when you get here, if you're one to doubt your salvation a lot, it'll sure help you with that. A lot of people that, that really doubt a lot, that are like this in their spiritual walk, they never have been in here. Oh, well, they might be in here where the, the holy place, where the, the I mean, great picture of the church, a lot going on, they're busy, they're busy doing things, that, and that we ought to be busy doing things for God. Can I tell you, he wants to take it a step further than that. He wants intimate time with you and me in this place. And, to, and it's a wonderful place to be, and I love it when God just moves in and he speaks to my heart, even in my Bible reading time in the mornings, and, and I get to be in that most holy place with him, just a sweet fellowship, and it's a what? It's a total surrender to him. To, to get there, I have to go through all these things. i got to realize this. There's sacrifices that need to be made in my life to get there. i got to realize this. I need a, a daily washing of his word at the laver. I need to realize this, when I get into the holy place, that I need to follow the Holy Spirit. I need fellowship. You need fellowship. I need to spend more time in prayer. When I go through all these things, I'm telling you, that's where I can, I can end up being in that most holy place. And when you, when you get there, it's sweet. I, I know many of you have been there. I'm not saying you haven't. Do you remember it, though, how sweet it is? There's been times Brother Rick Bailey's come up to me years ago and 
we, when we were around more and we'd be both preaching in the junior church and we'd share with, with, with each other something God showed us. I remember one time it was about a raven. I don't remember all the details. I just remember that God spoke to him. It was like he's been over there. Well, I want that. That's why people quit church, get offended. They don't ever get over there. They're just going through the motions over and over in the wilderness, wandering around. It's a boring life. Oh, it's, it's, it's so boring to be out here. But when you get in there, oh, it's sweet. It's so sweet. Let me read you a couple verses and we'll close. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 16 and 17 says, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy, for the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. So, we, we know this. If we're saved, he lives inside of us. <clears throat> so is your temple dirty tonight? Polluted? Messed up? Can, can he have complete reign like he did here in Second Chronicles where the temple was clean, it had been built, they, they did everything God's way, and God showed up and, and met with them in a special way. When's the last time you've been in that place over there? I've got to ask myself that question. When his word becomes your everything, then you see him for who he really is and will fall down and worship him. Ecclesiastes chapter 12 verse 13 sums it up here really good. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. That's what God expects from you and you and me, to fear him and to obey him, to do what he says. You might say, Brother Jim, how much heart and effort must I put into knowing God this way? And I'll just tell you, I'll tell you like this. When you want it as bad as you want to breathe, you can get there. What's that mean? There's nothing more important than air right now. <laughs> air goes above water, food, and anything else. I don't know who here's ever who here has ever dunked underwater and you got water in your lungs, right? <clears throat> and you're sinking. Yeah, I remember uh, a few years ago, we were. Uh, it's been several years ago now, but we were out on a pontoon, <clears throat> and uh, first time I ever been on a one of them round rafts, you know. And my father-in-law, he's got this new pontoon, 24-footer, and it had a pretty good motor on it. We're going pretty fast, and I'm thinking, oh, that's going to be fun. So I lay on that thing. We're just we're bouncing around. Well, the way that thing uh, was made, they put, the, they put where they hooked the rope too high. So when you, when you go to hit, a, to hit a wave, it would just dive you down like a sinker, like, you know, something that's shooting down under the water. So I didn't realize that. <laughs> I grab that thing, and I start going under, and I just kept going under. <laughs> Finally, I let up, you know, and I, I'm, I'm, the only thing I cared about wasn't anything but air. Right? I know that's simplistic to think about, but it's the truth. There's nothing else I'm thinking about but air right now. <clears throat> and it really relates the same way for you and me. You're going to you have to push everything out of your mind. Nothing's going to keep me from being here with God. Not my job not my spouse, not my children. I'm gonna, this, this, is my, this is my main thing, is God's number one in my life. Can I just tell you, when you put God first, God helps you with being the right husband, the right wife, 
putting your marriage back together, your relationships work better, everything else falls into place when he's number one. You don't have to worry about doing all that. He just, he helps you with it all. So tonight, <clears throat> simple question, does his glory or has his glory ever filled your house in that way? Well, he wants to do that tonight. Wouldn't it be nice if we start off this year, I know we're coming up on a new year in a few days, just a couple days away from a new start. I like new starts, don't you? We can, we can fill out something else to lose weight and do all that like we normally do. Wouldn't it be nice if we made it a point this, this next year? We could just start tonight. We don't have to wait for another year. We could, I want to be there with God. No, I don't want to just show up. don't want to go just through the motions. Man, I want to be close like I've never been to him before. I want to be in that most holy place more often than I'm not. If we'll make up our minds, this is what, this is what, this is what God said in Jeremiah 29. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Then shall ye call upon me, and ye shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. And ye shall seek me and find me when ye search, when ye search for me with all your heart. All he wants is us to simply search him with all of our heart. <clears throat> hey, it's okay to be successful. It's okay to do things and have, have your business thrive. It's okay to, to do all those things. But I'm telling you, you're just wasting your time spinning your wheels if our main goal is not to be close to him in that most holy place. Tonight, I'd just like to ask the question, when's the last time his glory filled your house? That's just between you and God. If we could have everyone stand, heads bowed, eyes closed, have a time of invitation, turn it over to pastor, but I'd like to ask the question maybe tonight, maybe in, maybe in your mind this would be the scariest thought. You can't even remember the last time he's filled your house. I'm telling you, it's so special you don't forget it. When's the last time he met with you in such a way that it just, it just took over your thoughts, your emotions, everything? I'm telling you, he wants, he wants that so bad. And he'd like to start tonight, if you'd be willing, come to him. Might just be tonight, there's just some things in your life you need to clean up so that you might be able to come in and fill your house. Altars are open, some have already come. Maybe God's spoken to you. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, we come to you. Thank you, Lord, so much for your word. And Lord, I'm thankful for the example in Second Chronicles that when I come to you, all I need is your word. Lord, I don't have to have, all, I don't need to see all the miracles and the, and the lights and the show and the, all, the, all the craziness that so many in this world are trying to portray to meet with you. I just need to draw up close to you and obey your word. Lord, you, you want to abide with us. You want to walk with us each and every day. And there's many in here, Lord, that have already come. Just know that Lord, I want my relationship to be closer to you, even myself. Lord, search my heart tonight. Show me if there be something that's hindering me from being in that sweet place of fellowship with you. Lord, we sure love you. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen.